Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. And we're back in the Culture Classroom. Thanks for joining us today. A special guest here with us today It's going to be Coach Lauren Stratton. She is the head varsity girls coach at Madison Risen Academy. And uh, haven't done one of these in a while. We've Coach Tori and I have been doing interviews uh, with each other, uh, couldn't putting out little snippets, uh, 10, 15 minute podcasts for y'all to enjoy. Today you get to listen to um, another coach and hear her journey, and uh, be excited and get ready to listen to this exciting episode. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. I've had a chance to go and listen to you and John talk back and forth and see some of the people y'all have interviewed. So, honestly, when you called, I was super honored to even <laughs> get the phone call and have a chance to get on here and speak, uh, I guess, on behalf of girls sports and girls as coaches. Yeah, we're – so how this all goes, and normally Tori's with me, and we kind of bang out questions, and, and he's a lot better at all this stuff than I am. But um, what we want to get into is your journey. And – I think for coaches in general, they learn, we learn by going to clinics, we learn by, so this is just an avenue for coaches to listen. Uh, if you're a CEO of a company, uh, if you're leading a business, if you're doing whatever, I think all this is applicable uh, to what you do. So let's go back to your 22 year old self, Ooh, right out of college. Um, you have to choose a profession and how did you get in this coaching journey? Mm. Well, I knew I wanted to be in the classroom. I had the opportunity to work in FCA camp the summer after my freshman and sophomore year of college and just loved working with high school age and middle school age kids um, and get, being, having an opportunity to stand in front of them kind of as a, a ministry, really. And at that moment, I fell in love with, okay, how can I do this the rest of my life? And first started out at Starkville High School just uh, teaching and the coaching they didn't have an opportunity to coach but I would do some private lessons with some other girls just kind of helping them out moved to Olive Branch High School and again just that desire to grow a relationship you're at a big 6a public school you have 30 students in your classroom so having a chance to build those relationships with those students wasn't necessarily there and I was asked to step on uh, they found out I had played soccer at Mississippi State at the college level and so they brought me on just as an assistant that first year and immediately knew this is where I needed to be and what I wanted to do just again building those relationships with those girls um, passing on the wisdom um, that I had learned through my years of competing and playing uh, was just a great um, opportunity and after the first game I mean we lost but even after the first game being on the sidelines I knew I had kind of found where God was calling me to be so awesome. all right so I want to go back and hit on something you just told our listeners is you played college soccer I did and I know a, a very small few number that go from high school that is an even smaller number for college and even smaller number for pro and everybody knows that statistic that goes out so you played here at MRA. I did. And you're a multi-sport athlete at that. I did. Okay. Um, expand on that just a little bit. And then let's talk about 
playing at Mississippi State? Because obviously soccer is a big part of your background. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe what position you played. Yeah. Uh, maybe a key moment that like, hey, I really want to do this. I, I love the game so much. I want to give back to the game, which got you into your coaching journey. But mm-hmm. let's go back to your athlete. You being an athlete, you uh, inside the walls of MRA playing soccer. Yeah, so at uh, growing up in MRA, it was a smaller school. And I wasn't what you would call a natural-born athlete. Uh, I really had to work my tail off. But what I had that a lot of players probably didn't have or people that are born with natural mm-hmm. athleticism is I had a work ethic that you couldn't tell me I couldn't do something. Uh, so that really just kind of drove me to do my best. I had an older brother who always challenged me and, and helped me just learn to compete at a very, very young age. And that kind of carried me through. And again, in a small private school here, if, if you're an athlete and you have that drive, they're going to yank you up. So I was playing basketball, soccer, swim team, cross country, track. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about those last four sports. But um, got, getting through high school, I really kind of narrowed it down into soccer and basketball. And basketball came about just as a break from soccer. It was a time where soccer had slowed down. I needed something to keep me in shape. It was fast paced. So uh, started doing basketball, and we actually had a my senior year won the overall championship here, which was a great moment. Um, but soccer all along was really my true love. And you know, people ask when was the moment you decided you wanted to play college soccer. I don't ever think there was a moment. I think it was just this is what you do next. Right. I think the innate desire to compete. Uh, why would it stop? Why would, Why is it after I'm a senior I'm done competing? Why is it after I'm a senior I have to be done being, you know, something I love? So all along for me, that was the next step. And I knew I wasn't good enough to be a professional, but that desire to compete never went away. And so here comes an avenue of coaching. I'm, I'm going to continue to compete, and I want to help others to learn how to compete. Um, my time at Mississippi State was great. It is a whole new world um, from high school sports uh, played freshman year I played left outside midfield um, actually sat right in front of my now assistant coach Bethany Frazier uh, she was left outside back and we had played all together through high school and so got a chance to play with her up at Mississippi State um, and then my sophomore year I moved more into a central uh, defensive midfield position just being a ball winner distributing the ball again I wasn't the fastest on the team. I was strong, but I definitely wasn't the fastest on the team, so I just played in a position to make big tackles, win the ball, and distribute it to the girls who were fast and who could score. So. Well, I'm going to brag on you for a second. Um, you said you were a natural-born athlete, but you're a natural-born leader. So in our association, uh, there is a um, Don Souter Award oh, no. that goes – to the top male and top female athlete in our association. And Lauren was one of those. And uh, so she'll, she's blushing right now, obviously. <laughs> that, you know, I, I just think a lot of times we get into coaching because we want to get back to the game and you, we don't always know about our sport. We're always learning and growing about our sport. But I think one thing that sets you apart is you're a natural born leader. And those are hard to find. So you knew uh, at an early age, I think, that you were going to be in this profession. You knew you were going to be a leader of men, young men, young women, whoever was on the field that you were going to be coaching. You were going to be able to lead them. 
so that Don Sauter Award, th- talk about that for about a brief second, just what that meant to you as a senior getting that top female athlete in the association. Yeah, it was a huge honor. Um, when I was told I was nominated for it, I didn't know much about it. I uh, sat down with our headmaster, Mr. Thompson, and he kind of started explaining it. You know, I was like, well, okay, uh, we'll, sh- we'll go for it. But I knew who I competed against. I knew the other girls that I had played against out of PCS, out of Pillow mm-hmm. Academy. And so it was, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but a pipe dream to even consider that that mm-hmm. would be um, an actual chance to win that. And I was just honored that even that MRA would choose me out of the girls that I competed with. You had Mo Bell, who went on to Delta State and had a three-point record there. You had Clancy Piazza coming out, Reagan Dees. There were a lot of great female athletes with MRA. So I was just honored MRA had even selected me to nominate um, and to represent MRA. I remember sitting at graduation practice, and they said, okay, now we'll have a special guest come speak. And I remember kind of rolling my eyes and being, oh, my goodness, what is this person going to talk about? And fast forward to 24 hours later, we're at graduation, and Rock, um Les Triplett stands up and starts speaking about it and says something about the Don Souter and my heart sunk. Um, again, just so humbled and honored to be selected. Um, and to bring that back to MRA and represent MRA so well was very humbling feeling. Um, and, and just, yeah, something I still remember to this day, that feeling of when they said my name and that I had actually won it. So, <laughs> so a successful moment in your life. Yeah, very successful. Uh, you're a successful soccer coach. You... Uh, had success as an athlete. Um, let's move into your program. Okay. Of leading a group that's now eight years, nine years. How long have you been here? This is my eighth season. Eighth with season, Mario. yeah. Uh-huh. Have that right? Um, a question I love to ask is, and we say this all the time, is there is no blueprint for success, but success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we look at that, we try to identify what does our program look like? Yeah. How do I define what my program, and Coach Tory always talks about surrender the outcome, how we put so much emphasis in, in the outside world and, and critics and fans and all that. They look at wins and look at losses and they mm-hmm. look at this. And in the grand scheme of things, we're like, hey, we don't love saying, hey, we're going to lose every game. Obviously, we want to win every game. Just like a pitcher wants to throw strikes every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like a quarterback wants to throw touchdowns and complete passes. So... The same thing here, what does success look like in your girls' soccer program? Yeah, I'm going to actually take us back to Olive Branch High School because that was where my coaching career started, and, man, was it my first season. I think I had three wins overall. And so immediately, I think after my first practice, I was thinking, okay, we have to learn. You have to tame yourself, draw yourself back. When you know Success here is not going to be the score at the end of the game. Those are not going to be good. It's not, and, and my competitive self, uh, I, I hate to lose more than anything to the point that we don't do board games or card games at our house. Uh, so, you know, it really changed. What do, what do we need to do to grow as a team to build that foundation? So a lot of, I remember in Olive Branch, I had a manager, and she was responsible for keeping how many passes we made together, like how many passes. And I started telling the girls, hey, look, if we get three passes in a row without it getting broken up, that's a point for us. So I had a manager who, yeah, we had the score on the scoreboard. It wasn't pretty. But for us, the girls were worried, hey, how many points did we get? And I would set a goal for them, hey, I'll, in this game, let's get 10 points. And sometimes we'd meet it, sometimes we'd lose it. But we would celebrate those games that we got to, the points I was looking for, meaning complete passes, 
uh, we'd go out and eat at the local Mexican restaurant together as a team when we would get to that point. And the girls really liked that, and that helped keep their overall morale. Had girls coming back the next season, even though we were probably the worst group in DeSoto County. Uh, fast forward to the next year, we went from having just three wins to the next year going up to eight wins and actually competing um, for getting, I think, second place. And we actually got a bid to playoffs that year, which was one of the first time first times for that girls program. So that was good for them to see, again, just building on those little things. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time-saving features to eliminate the busy work so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, and plays for you to begin building your 2022 playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw. So moving down to Madison, um, MRE already had a great soccer program. Jeremy Short had done a wonderful job building up the program, even from when I was here. Uh, so stepping in, but, you know, you have to kind of put your own mark on things mm-hmm. and kind of redefining what that looks like. Uh, and so for us, we have a lot of great talent coming in. Our local clubs do a good job uh, developing these girls and just playing off of that. Um so this year, actually, that it's funny you asked this question. I actually listened to y'all's podcast a couple of weeks ago on success and what that means. And I stumbled upon it because I was really struggling because moving into a program like Amari and having the talent we have on the team, it's hard not to get caught up in why are we not winning more? Why, what, what is success? What does success look, for, look like for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, kind of reevaluating that praising the small victories we had a, a person come in and talk to us this summer about growth mindset and really challenge and it's, it's stuff you know but sometimes when you get in the trenches of a season and a game and and this season I, i'll be honest our overall record is definitely not one of the better records i've ever had but i have been more pleased with my team after a loss this year than I have in the past with a win. Yeah. And and I know people who coach are like, yeah, this is – how could she be pleased with a loss? I am so pleased with how the girls are responding to adversity this season. I'm so pleased with how they are uh, responding to some injuries we've had, the fight that they are showing. And honestly, I feel like for the first time, overall trusting each other and trusting the coaches and, and coming together as a team. So – for us, even though we, we may lose 3-2, to 3-1, to one, whatever that looks like, I can't be upset with them at the end of the game because they've done what we've asked of them. And in the sport, if you've ever been around the sport of soccer, really any sports, you have unlucky breaks some nights. And, and so you, you can't focus on the overall outcome. And for our girls, I think that's kind of kept them moving forward and kept them growing and kept them believing. I want to piggyback off of one word you just said. It was trust. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we were athletes, like we trusted our coach because they were our coach. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's so many avenues of a special coach. Uh, they have this coach. They have this friend. They have this person who's here. I think it's harder for kids, even in my sport, even in football, for kids to trust you because they have all these outside mm-hmm. factors. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hear that you say that, the level of trust is higher now uh, with your girls and I'm thinking with any girls for like 
Yeah. I have a daughter, and yeah. holy cow, like her and her mama. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard. Um, so, but yeah, it's a it's a trust deal, and I and I love that you said that. It's that it comes. You're finding small victories within the game, mm-hmm. so it's not like okay, we might have lost. Yes, however, this is what we build on. And I know people are listening right now, and they're like. Oh, they're talking about moral victories. Well, you have to have those because mm-hmm. at the end of every season, there's only one real champion. Yep. And if you're defining success on your wins and losses, if you want a state championship, uh, you're building it on quicksand. Yep. Because that's not sustainable. Yep. Um, so I'm going to go to the relationship side because we're all about intentional relationships, yep. positive relationships. Um, Somebody asked me this question, like if you were there was a huge billboard, what would you put on? And, and I would say, I said it's an intentional relationships matter. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one thing to have a relationship with a kid, uh, but is it intentional? Do you know how what makes them tick? Do you let them know that you have buttons and the buttons they can push and all that stuff? Um, a lot of times we say we can be transparent but not translucent. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you go about building relationships with? your young ladies. Uh, I know you have some cool stuff in your locker room, stuff like that, but what's some tangible things you could maybe help a coach that's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just now starting and I don't know how to build relationships. I'm just out of college. You're a seasoned coach. I mean, you've been at this over 10 years. Yeah. Um, what are some tangible tips that you could maybe help someone on how to build relationships within their program? Yeah, for me, one thing that I, I feel like as I've grown, especially from when I first got out of college, 22, 23 years old, is that, man, not everybody is like you. And that's great, actually. That's a great thing. Um, For me, it was so hard to understand what made girls tick. Uh, Because the more I'm learning is I don't necessarily, I think, like I guess probably most females do. And so it's hard for me to understand why is this girl so upset? Like nothing has happened. I didn't even say anything to her, and she's crying. And so... um, for me, it's just really paying attention, paying attention. And again, as we've said, I had to put my own, what I, I that, by the way, paying attention. Yeah. Just really paying attention to the girls um, and, and really not getting blinders on. And again, a lot of that goes back to what we just talked about, success. What is success in your mind? If success in your mind is the wins and losses, your record, what does everybody else outside of your team think of you? Mm. You're going to be a failure. Mm. It's not, you're never going to be satisfied because everybody's going to have opinion about how your program should run. If you're worried about, oh man, I wonder what the school across town is going to think when they see that score. They weren't at that game. They didn't see what your team did. So for me, a lot of it, I had to learn. I, I can't worry about anything outside of this team. I cannot worry about the outcome. I cannot necessarily worry about that final score. How is Sarah doing today? Right. She doesn't seem to be herself. She's a step slower. Is she tired? Did she stay up late last night? And then not stopping there, not thinking, what's wrong with her? Why is she not getting the job done for us Maybe to win? Maybe she failed the test. Maybe hey, she failed the test earlier. In the exactly. Day. And not just getting, being mad and jumping on her on why she's mm-hmm. not doing what you know she can do and right. then just being mad hey yeah you can be mad that's okay i get i still get mad but stop for a moment and follow up pull her aside hey what's going on you're a step slower than you normally are everything good 
Yeah, find the root of the problem. And sometimes I've had girls just open up and tell me. Sometimes I've had girls build a wall as high as Jericho, and I have had year after year after game after game until they finally break down. I mean, they eventually are like, this coach is not going to leave me alone until I tell her really what's wrong. Um, And you just... You learn. You see when girls rise to the occasion. You see when girls are at their best. Mm -hmm. And when they fall short of that, step in. And as soon as you step in, and if you do it in a manner that shows you care about them and not care about your program, Mm -hmm. is when that relationship is built. When girls learned that I cared more about them as a person and not just what they could do for my team, and then they would open up. I would have girls come over to the house randomly on a Friday night with cookies. Can we just watch a movie? Everybody's at this party, and we don't want to do it. And I said, sure. Wow. And so, you know, I had I had girls. I still have girls. Um, it was like a group of three. It was Avery Aldridge, A.K. McDaniel, Mary Rogers Coon would do that randomly, would come over on a Saturday morning just to check in, um, would come over after Young Life upset over something, but they knew that door was open, but it wasn't an easy one that was open. They had it locked to me for a while, but I think once they learned, I cared about them as a as, as who they were, as, mm-hmm. as a, a young lady trying to navigate high school, it made it a lot easier, and I got more from them. You cared and, more about who they were instead of the number on their back. A hundred percent, and when they learn that, they actually do better for you for your team I mean it's a ripple effect but if you they it has to be genuine it cannot be and so a lot of that for me in practical ways for me is is following up the next day a girl had a bad game I I got into her I mean I'm not I'm I'm a tough love kind of person more on the tough than the love side Mm -hmm. and anybody at the school could know knows that uh but you know I, I got into her she had a bad game I let her know but the next day I follow up with her, and maybe not in that moment because both of our emotions are high, but I follow in with her. Hey, what was going on yesterday? Right. Tell me about your day. What what was it? You were a little off. And it, it can be anything from a, a silly Snapchat, a TikTok video. I had a girl who tried to push through, and, and she was nauseous the whole time, and I just thought she was being slow and lazy. And she finally told me, but she said, I didn't want to let you wear the team down by telling you. And I said, but staying on that field and just lying, it made me frustrated because I felt like you weren't giving me my, giving me right. your best. Right. And so again, you have to building that relationship. You have to go beyond what can they do for your team. Right. It has to be I care about this person. And so ten to quote, years to quote three D coaching, uh, you're a transformational coach rather than a transactional coach. A hundred percent. I, I just, hope to be. I strive to be. Yeah. Yeah. And. and all that you've been saying, that, that's where my mind's going with this conversation, is being transformational, where I say all the time, too, like, I'll get kids laying the street for me. You get kids laying the street for you. Yeah. You know, then, then you're doing something, especially in high school, because I think they want to be known. Yeah. And they want you to know them, uh, but there's that barrier there, and it goes back to that first segment we just talked about was trust. Mm-hmm. When they start trusting their coach, I think that door opens to give you a foot in of like, all right, they're going to let me step into their world a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what you said too is, and I don't, I don't want listeners to miss this, they can spot a fake. Yep. If it is not intentional and it is not heartfelt and you're doing it out of the, like, hey, I'm going to be intentional with you so I can get you to play better and block this person better or catch this ball better or make this PK or do that, 
wrong intention, they'll spot that, and then that door's closed probably forever. Yeah. Uh, and then board it up, and then put semen on, and like you're not getting back in. Yeah. Um, so I think with today's athlete, it's it. I mean, the word there is trust still. Yeah. And one thing I'm learning with coaching in that aspect, and and how you build that is, like I said, follow up the next day, but. Man, you got to follow up all year. It's not, it cannot be a seasonal thing. And that's one thing, you know, I was, when I started coaching and and told my husband, hey, look, this is what I want to do. And, and he has been the best supporter I have ever had. Grew up as a coach's son, so he knew what he was getting into. But I said, look, it's only going to be a short season. And as we both laugh about that and how green we were in thinking it was a short season, it's an all-year calling. Mm-hmm. It's an all-year thing. Truly, if you want to build those relationships, and especially here, um, the school we have where these girls play five or six different sports, you have to show up not mm-hmm. just to the sport you coach. you got to go to basketball games, go to cheer competitions, ask them how their swim meet went. Even right. if it drives you nuts that they missed your practice to go to one of these things, right. you ask them about it because it shows you care about that person and not just what they're doing for your team. And so... You know, I, I've driven out to soccer fields for club practices just to watch what they're doing at clubs so they see, yeah. hey, I know you're doing something else and, yeah. and making sure they know that I'm invested in, in their life. Right. And even if they're not, you know, a part of my team, it's not what my team does, I'm still going to be there for you because I care about you. So the three girls that you alluded to that we just come over, yes. they still come over when they're in town? Oh, yeah, every time. There Look, I, I see Mary Rogers' dad, Robert, last Friday, and he was like, I usually find out that Mary Rogers is in town because of her Life 360, her car's at your house. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll tell her to check in with y'all. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Avery's getting married in, uh, man, I think she's getting married next July. For how long? How long have they been going? 2017. Exactly. So, so yeah, five years. The intentional part of like diving into a young person's life yeah. is more beyond the three years or two years or even one year that they're with you coaching them. Uh, since 2017, they've been doing this come over to coach's house yeah. and watch check a movie in. and check in and all that. They're still coming back, and one's about to get married. So, And she said she wants nothing more at her wedding than to sit down and have a glass of champagne with me, which I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen or not. She knows I don't drink. so no. we. Uh, but, no, and look, my greatest success story, and it brought me to tears, was a girl who, at Olive Ranch High School 10 years ago, so this is almost a decade, is when I first started coaching, um, she called me up. She'll check in randomly with me, just text message, but she said, I'm coming to Jackson can we go to dinner? I'd love to just see you and catch up. And so sat down and had dinner with her. And just the fact that she, I mean, I was only there two years, but the fact that she even still remembered who I was, the fact that she cared enough to want to have dinner. Um, and I find out that at the time she was going through some pretty hard stuff. I had no idea at her home life, but her mom had just left about six months before. And she just talks about how it was such a perfect timing um and so you know that to me probably will weigh carry more than any state mm-hmm. championship i could ever hope to win internal investment yeah and and just knowing man because that you know i go back to why did you get into coaching some of the biggest influences in my life apart from my parents and apart from christ are my coaches right. i mean yeah my teachers but my coaches i mean you think about that's the people you spend the most time with those are the people that you probably face your worst days and hardest moments with as a teenager is when you're running 
sprints yeah. when you're losing. I mean, and who is the first person you see when you come off of a loss in overtime is your coach. And what are the words out of his or her mouth? And so I had some really great coaches, and I had my fair share of not great coaches. Right. And I wanted to come back and make sure I could I could positively influence kids and, and help them during this time. And so, um, yeah, I still talk to a lot of my girls, and, and several of them will every now and then see score updates, and it's a loss to prep or JA, and they just check in. Coach, how are you? Checking in. See your record. Keep it up. You're doing good. Right. No, it's not what you think, but right. I know the girls are glad to have you. So, yeah. you know, having that come from girls who graduated five years ago just really it's helps me reset because, again, just a natural competitor, yeah. I hate losing more than anything. <laughs> so I have a hard time in the midst of a season to pull my eyes back up onto what does success look like and, and what is my long-term goal here. Yeah. Well, we're almost done. Um, you're out of the hot seat. I got you about another probably five, seven minutes, so bear with us. All right, so here's a question. It's one I've probably never asked uh, a guest before, but it's pretty straightforward. You being a mom, yeah. you being a coach, how do you find time to balance being a coach with all the girls and then being a mom? Yeah, that's a tough one, and I... Uh... I ask myself that a lot, and if, if I have figured it out, and I'm, I'm speaking to what I guess I do, and whether it's right or wrong, time will only tell when Bo and Emily grow up. Um, just right, Bo is, will be six in November, and Emily will be three in November, so they're still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, you know, most all y'all probably have coaches' kids or no coaches' kids. They grow up so well rounded. Uh, just because they're brought to everything. When Bo was, uh, man, seven, eight, nine months old, I would just have him set up on the sidelines at, at games or practices. Here at MRI, we have an awesome family and community, and I could just hand them over to parents. I remember a Friday afternoon practice of before a football game, I had him set up in a pack and play. And I, I think do you, I think I either you or Lipscomb or, or Coach Williams came and grabbed him and was like, give me that baby. And, and Bo was just chilling as a 10-month-old in the coach's office on a Friday night game day. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of how it is. And so I have a ton of support, not only in my husband, uh, but the family, MRA family I have here, which helps. Um, so, so they're well-rounded in that aspect. But for me, um, I got one. What's your biggest struggle? Oh, What's your biggest struggle being a mom and a coach? You know, just looking back, um, this is such a 2022 20, answer. I get my camera roll on my phone, and I look back, and from the months of August to October, I, I might have four pictures of my kids on my phone. And then, you know, even on days where I'm home, uh, turning your head off, turning your brain off. As a coach, your mind is constantly, hey, what's my lineup going to be tomorrow? Is the film up? Let me go back and break this film down. And you're thinking, how does soccer break film down? I mean, we look at where's our back line? Do we have gaps? How are they exposing us in this spot? Can this girl? So, you know, just breaking film down. So even when I'm home during season, um, my mind's not necessarily always home. So that's where I struggle a lot with, with some guilt of being able to turn it off and give my kids everything uh, they need out of their mom. But, you know, one thing they love is, is I am a coach. As, as Bo's gotten older, he takes pride in that his mom, his mommy's the girl soccer coach here. Right. All his little friends to start coming to the soccer camp, and so it's fun for 
his mom to be out there. So that's been cool to watch him be excited about that. And you said it's one of your greatest joys? Oh, I don't know if that's one of my greatest joys, but it was a side effect of coaching and yeah. being a mom I did not know was coming. Another awesome aspect that I, I see that, man, Bo wouldn't get that. And I, I speak to Bo because he's older. He's in mm. kindergarten here at MRI with me. One of the side effects and things that I see that, man, if I wasn't coaching, he wouldn't get this, is the relationship he has. Hey, I mean, I have 28 babysitters on call ready to go at any time with mm-hmm. my girls. But being in the weight room, being in the coach's office on a Friday night before a game because I have, you know, certain things I'm helping the team get ready is these relationships that Bo is getting to have with these older boys. And, yeah. and these and, and we talk so much about relationships. Man, this is a side effect of my coaching journey my nice. kid is benefiting from. So these true. Friday night football, I'll say celebrities and stars, because that's what Bo thinks they are, yeah. they're giving him high fives and nuts and calling him by name um, because of, of this forget, connection. I think we forget about that sometimes. Like when we were that age, everything was so much bigger. So much bigger. And and he thinks they are the biggest deal. Yeah. And, you know, he wouldn't necessarily have that inside connection if I wasn't right. coaching here. And, and we get to go, you know, we talked about going to these girls' events and these different sporting events, even when I'm not in season, Hey, I just take the kids along right. along with me. That's a that's a Friday night family night event for us. Is luckily I married into a family and married someone who loves sports just as much as me. So, me saying, hey, this Friday night, and Mari's got a double header versus prep and baseball. We're going, and they love it. They love it. They, they love it. That. So, like, We're there. you know, one thing I, we haven't crossed the bridge yet is is as Bo gets older and starts competing in his own sports, I've already had to miss a couple of his little soccer practices here and there because I've got my own. Um, is balancing that and what that looks like, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And so far, the the benefits are way higher than the pros are way higher than the cons. I'll right. say so. Um, it, it is a balance. It is a struggle. If I'm doing it right or wrong, time will only tell. <laughs> yeah. um, but but right now, it, it seems both of them are really well adjusted. And even Emily at two and a half, three, she'll tell you she's two and a half, but she'll be three in November. Um, she even gets it. I put my backpack on my back, and she says, you have soccer practice? I said, yes, I have soccer practice. She said, okay. She said, have fun. And so, you know, she's starting to pick up on right. it, um, but she doesn't seem phased by it. It's just more time, daddy-daughter time that she gets. Right. So. Um, this is one of my favorite parts, and we started this in season one, and season two we went to it, season three, uh, not as much. Now we're starting to get back interviewing people. But we talk about John Gordon's carrying trademark and what separates you from any other coach. Like, what's one thing that you do? So for a carrying trademark, for those um, that are just now tuning in, John Gordon has it. Of, for us, uh, Coach Tory wears purple shoes on game days. Uh, for me, I write my team. Uh, my receivers game day notes uh, just something a little special that makes you different uh, from any other coach in your profession so my question to you what makes you different from other leaders Whew. that is a hard one and it's look this stumps everybody <laughs> i hope i'm not like you said i got five to seven minutes it may take me four of these minutes to yeah. think on this question you know it's it's I don't think it's necessarily, I jokingly, the girls, some of the girls back in the day probably would say that what makes her different, she's always pregnant, is because I was pregnant for a stretch there with having my kids. So some of those girls during that season probably were like, goodness gracious, she's pregnant and mad a lot. But no, it's not a specific thing, I guess I do, uh, like writing notes. I think that's awesome. Um, but 
and it's not necessarily something I wear. Honestly, I think what it is 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 what I go back to is that it, it's how when they leave, I, I for the most part can say that I wasn't just their coach. Mm. For most of those girls, I've either had them as a student in my geometry classroom. For a lot of those girls, they've come through and been in a small group where we're growing in our relationship with Christ. And then thirdly, usually I'm their coach. And so they see all three sides of me. Um, and that opens so many doors for me to see all sides of them. Um, and, and just walking through, I mean, we've had girls on my team whose parents are, are going through cancer treatment and just being there with them when scans come back, good or bad. Um, just really living life with these girls. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what makes me different as a coach. Um, one great aspect is that I am a female and I'm coaching females. Right. And a lot of these girls, the rest of their coaches, so that probably is what makes me different is I every other coach co- they have. I think you could coach a guy's team. It would be just fine. <laughs> I don't, you know, there was an opportunity about, <laughs> what, six years ago was he got in a bind and Coach was like, well, you coach the boys. And yeah. I just, you know, honestly – at the time, I probably would have said yes, except I was expecting a little girl, so I couldn't couldn't take off during that time. But, you know, coaching girls, I think that's what separates, is a lot of these girls don't have female coaches. Mm-hmm. So automatically a wall is put up because when it's a male to a female, there's this wall put up. You don't think like me. You don't go through the same things as me. And I can look at these girls and, and say... The level of empathy is off. It's very different. And I can look at these girls and say, I had an MRA printed on my chest like you do. I faced Jackson Prep like you do. I had AP classes with Tanya Reeves like you do. I've done this. I've walked in your shoes, and it's hard, but you can get through it. Yep. And so that level of no longer... Yes, there's that respect of coach and player... But man, by their sophomore, junior, and year, it, it yeah. turns more into, God, this is, she's just doing life with me. And she's 10 years ahead of me, so she's got a little wisdom. Um, I'll give you two words for that. What's that? Show up. Yeah. That's what you do. You show up. Yeah. And so I think for me saying, hey, I've been coached by Coach Stratton is, I got a friend now. I got somebody who... Mm-hmm. I'll call back, and she's going to be there for me. She's going to let me just bust up in her house, whatever night, whatever time, and she's going to listen, and she's going to tell me hard truths. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I've had to sit down and tell some girls some real hard truths that I know were hard to swallow, but they needed to hear them, and that was, for the most part, I think, well-received because they knew I was saying it because I loved them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's kind of, I guess, what sets me apart is just, I've been there for them. I've been there with them, and and they, they trust me for the most part. I'm hearing so. that you show up for them. Yeah. You show up, and you're there. Uh, that's that's just a big part of it, I think, is you're there. You're, you're available um, for that avenue that they need. Um, yeah. And look, one of the things that is like my thorn in my side is homecoming season. It's coming <laughs> up. It's in two weeks. It always falls right around our playoffs, and they are going to get spray tans and nails done and dress fittings, and it is every coach's worst nightmare for them to hear those words that I'll be late because of something along those lines. And they know I hate it, but they know on Friday night the person sitting at the front row that's going to have her camera that's ready to take pictures that's hugging their necks and is so proud that they're out there is me. And they know, yeah, she complains about it, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to support them in, in what they do. You wouldn't be a coach if you didn't complain. Oh, I'm 
talking? Who about is? Having, about having, like... About having nails done because i got to leave practice to go get my spray tan. Coach Weaver, listen, the number of times I've had what time does practice in my spray tan is, is out of this world. That is one aspect I did not know about girls coaching, spray tans. Well, I don't have that problem uh, with the oval. Um, with the oval ball. Uh, I don't have that. No, 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 no. Well, uh, we're about wrapped up. Um, there's one last question I want to ask you. Okay. And it's just about your legacy. And I think every coach wants to leave a legacy. Um, you were picking up the book about John Wooden when oh, you came in yeah. here. Uh, the legacy that he's left. Um, you think about Coach DeWeese and the legacy he's leaving. And that's in the win column. Um, but there's so many purposes in our life. And a lot of times we say, like, I want my, is your legacy worth following? You know? So for you being here eight years, starting your eight year, uh, what do you want your legacy to be as you leave? When you're through with coaching, you hang up the whistle one last time. Mm. Five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, whatever that is, what do you want your legacy to be? So, like, what I want people when they think Coach That's Stratton right. at MRA That's Girls. Right. Uh-huh. I just, I want people to think. After you leave coaching. After I leave coaching. You're done. You're done. You hang up the whistle last time. Coach Stratton was. Fill the blank. <laughs> um, you can't say pregnant. No, I can't say that. <laughs> Hopefully not. No, um. Man, I want them to say she was a velvet brick. Well, I want them to say that she was tough. Mm-hmm. She made me stronger. Um, she made me, you know, if this is somebody that had played for me, but, you know, she was a velvet brick. I, I want people to know that I'm tough, that it, it's when you come into this program, mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy. Um but man, she's gonna love you. She's gonna love you well, and she's, she's. You're gonna be better coming out of the program than when you went in. Right. Um, and so I, I, you know, we throw that term around so much, and, and I strive to be that. But but trying to be truly a, a velvet brick, where, I love it. man, you're tough. But at the end of the day, I, I love you, and I, I'm gonna care about you. I care more about you growing up into a a young woman that God has planned for you to be and preparing you for what life has in front. And that's one of the things this year we've been focusing on. You know, each year you have different things. And I I think I've kind of finally settled on mine. And it's um, little things matter. Mm -hmm. Little things matter. We're seeing that in every game. Every play matters. Yeah, so just the legacy of, you know, like I spoke at the beginning, when I got into this, I truly felt like it was a ministry. This is my calling. Some people are called into mission fields overseas. Some people are called into mission fields here stateside. I truly feel like this is is my mission field. There are a lot of uh, great girls in here. There's this critical time for for these young people and and decisions. Um, And and one of the things in sports is a great revealer of life lessons. Mm And one of the things we're harping on right now is little things matter. Decisions have consequences. And I kind of feel like those things go together. Mm-hmm. Little things matter because they make big things happen. Right. And decisions have consequences. Little decisions have big consequences. And so we're trying to play off of that. And that's one thing I'm hoping they see. And, and again, I go back to being a velvet brick. Sometimes my kids make decisions, and I have to make 
really hard consequences on them. I hate it. I don't like doing that for them. Um, But I know if I let them get by Mm -hmm. and there aren't consequences for them now, uh, it's coming down the road. Well, what justice am I doing for them and and helping prepare them for life? And so that's, that's been one of the hard things. These girls that I adore and these girls that I have at my house sometimes on a Friday night, we come back in Monday, they left a ball of bags on a bag of balls on the yeah. bus yeah. hey you're running for it and man are they looking at me and I know the words they're saying about me and how angry they are with me but that's a little thing right. take care of your stuff take care of your stuff the little thing so you know I, I've done that multiple times I've had we had a girl mess up she sits out a game it's a right. girl that was at my house two nights before guess what a week later she's back Right. It's not keeping her away because I think after they calm down, are they mad at me? They may not talk to me for two days. After they calm down, they see, yeah, I was wrong. And sometimes it doesn't take a week. Sometimes it's a couple of years and they come back and say, yeah, you were right. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Right. Um, so that's sometimes some of the harder things to do as a coach. But, yeah, just I think the legacy would be, uh, I guess, if you're going to make me say one word or two words, it would be a velvet brick. But just this idea that there's a tough love um, that I want them to know and feel and, and overall wins, losses, whatever my record is, who cares? What are my girls doing 10 years later? How are they doing in life? What are they doing in life? How are they handling the adversities of life? Did I help uh, give them a stone in their foundation to prepare for that? And if I can give at least one little stone or brick to, to put in their foundation to prepare them for life's hard trials, I feel like I was a success as a coach overall. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been wanting to get you on your story uh, of being an athlete here, going on and playing in college, uh, then coming back and coaching trauma water. I think it's something that people need to hear about because that happens and how do you handle those those trials are like, wow, I played here, now I'm coaching here, how's it going to look? And navigate through that. Um, but I love the trust aspect, um, and I love that you're intentional, that you show up for those kids, um, and then being a velvet brick. So, yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of The Culture Classroom. Trenton, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming in The Culture Classroom in weeks to come. <laughs>